Welcome to Get the Life You Love Now and Essential NLP Podcast. Today I'm interviewing the fascinating Judy Delosier, who has been around NLP and personal change work at the cutting edge for quite a few years. She's met some amazing people that we're going to hear about and I hope you really enjoy listening to someone who's a true expert in the field. Hi, yes. hi Judy. Uh, it's a great pleasure to have you here. Um, Thank you. I first, I first, I heard about you a long time ago, actually, because you've written some of my favourite books, um, particularly Patterns of Milton Erickson, Volume Two, which okay. you you were part of. Um, but well, I've talked to lots of people that I was interviewing you, and people were like, "Who's Who's Judy Delosier?" And I was like, "Do you not know who she is?" So we need to set that record straight. So first of all, you you've been around in NLP for a few years. Do you want to just say how you first got involved in it? Yeah, you know, my first uh, connection with NLP was really through John Grinder. And, um, yeah, he was my boyfriend. And then um, that was before NLP actually had a name. It hadn't been named yet. And The Structure of Magic was a manuscript. It hadn't been published yet, which is the first book, you know, the, the language patterns, the meta model. And uh, John and I were dating, and he gave me a copy of that manuscript, and he asked me to read it and, you know, tell him what I thought. And um, it wasn't an easy book to read. I mean, manuscript, it wasn't an easy, it was, wasn't easy for me coming from social studies where, you know, social sciences where, you know, you get to talk about it and you kind of talk your way through something uh, as opposed to having a right answer kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't easy, you know, technically for me to capture it all, but, um, and also coming from, you know, religious studies and anthropology, that area, by the time I did get to the end of it, I realized how, you know, useful it was and it was evolutionary. Yeah. That people could really change, understand their world better, and it would open up uh, more of a space, you know, for living a better life. I was really aware of that and that the generative possibilities were certainly there. So, so and that, so, so then, so yeah. when that came, when that came to you, that the book, what was the backdrop? What was the current model for personal development or change or therapy? What was the kind of dominant? You know, in my memory, Phil, not coming from sort of that definite space, but what I totally remember happening were the sensitivity groups, the T groups, were happening at the University of California at Santa Cruz, and I certainly know that people were participating in those. John was definitely participating, you know, from. Uh, and so that that was going on. I want to also say maybe sort of that idea of the people-centered therapy was at Carl Rogers. Yeah. I think that that was kind of prevalent at the time. And then, from my perspective as an uh, as a religious studies person, you know, is interesting because what I was seeing was this crash of Eastern philosophy hitting the West Coast of the United States in the '70s. You know, like a big wave of you know, meditation and transcendental meditation, Alan Watts, you know, trying to find the space of connection between sort of Eastern thinking, Western thinking, and um, kind of getting that feeling that in some ways, you know, this was a Western, the beginning of a Western description of Eastern thinking. Okay. All right. You know, I can kind of remember, but that's that was kind of the feeling I had. There were the sensitivity groups, what they called the T groups. I did not personally participate. And there was, you know, Carl Rogers, Maturana. So how did how did John get into it? And, and and was John was it John and Richard or John first, then Richard or a bit of each or was it... 
You know, I mean, there's always a prehistory to the history, and I can only talk <laughs> about where I stepped onto the pathway. But, you know, I think, um, you know, Frank Puselik and, so, and was working with Richard. Now, I met Richard before I even met John, actually. And I knew Leslie Cameron before I met e either uh, Richard or John. We were friends at the university. We both lived in the married student apartments and had little kids. Um, but, you know, Frank and Richard, I think, were already working on developing some models. And then um, Richard was, if my memory serves me right, you know, it's a lot of deletion, distortion, and generalization, <laughs> if you can imagine by now, being my age. But um, Richard, this is, this is the myth that I've always heard and what I remember was that um, and this was just before me really so I got this through you know John and was that Richard was working for a guy who I know his name is Robert Spitzer and he's the owner of science behavior books yeah. and and also had a big piece of property up in in uh, Felton up in the mountains here above Santa Cruz above the university up in the mountains and Richard worked for him and I don't know exactly exactly all the capacities, but my understanding was he was going through the old video files, videotapes of Fritz Perls. Fritz Perls had already passed, and he was, I think, editing them to get them prepared for being published, you know, as a product. And that he had an awareness of patterns that the way in which... Um, um, uh, Fritz Perls was using language in order to get a certain effect, you know, in that, in the process with a client, but he couldn't describe it, but he had the intuition, you know, that there was sort of a, a systematicity, you know, to these patterns, and so he went to John, who was teaching at the university, uh, Richard was a student, and John was a professor in transformational linguistics, and he went to John, I guess, or was in a class of John's, and said, you know, can you help me figure out what these patterns are? And John said, you teach me uh, to do it, to make the pattern, and I'll tell you how you're doing it. Okay. And so it was sort of that, right. you know, that connection. Yeah. Yeah, I do appreciate what you say that, you know, is some time ago now, so the stories develop yeah, and change. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it's, I mean, it's yeah. interesting you know, to talk to somebody who was pretty much there, you know, at the inception of it. And then, and then you talk quite a lot about uh, Gregory, ba book. Gregory Bateson and how he was involved as well. Do you want to talk a little bit well, about that? Well, you know, I don't think, Gre you know, Gregory's involvement was interesting. And again, you know, my perspective was, you know, Gregory was our neighbor. We all, all lived up in that commune kind of place. And it was a very interesting place. The woman who wrote the birth book, uh, Raven Lang, was there, who brought sort of midwifery back to the world in our part of the world. I guess there was another place in the, in the South, maybe South Carolina, that was starting up because it was really anti-doctor at that time, you know, to have midwife and... Then there was a, a group of uh, jazz musicians there called the High Tones. You know, they actually built the Columba, the Columba venue for that group of guys. <laughs> there, I think three out of four of them were living there. Gregory Bateson and his wife Lois were living there and his daughter Nora. Uh, John and I were living there and our kids. And uh, before that, Richard had lived there, but he, he had moved by then. So it was quite an interesting <laughs> little little settlement. So um, 
you know, Gregory was there and he, John had given him a book of the structure of magic to read and he read it and he said, wowie key flowie, you know, this is, this is great stuff. He said, I wish we had known this when we were doing the work at Stanford Research Institute, it would have been the pathway we needed, you know, to kind of get where we wanted to go. It's kind of relationship between language and, you know, surface structure, deep structure, experience stuff. And he said, you know, if you guys, you guys ought to go down and talk to this man, Milton Erickson, who Gregory and Margaret Mead had worked with before they went to Bali to do transwork in Bali. And so they knew each other from there. And he said, this guy does, you know, pretty magical stuff and people study with him and they can't really, they can't really do what he does, you know. So you should, you know, if you can build models, you know, that was my feeling that he was saying, if you can do models you know, you should go down and talk with this guy. So he wrote a letter of introduction, if I remember correctly. And then also John and Richard called him and um, eventually, you know, went down there. So that was kind of the role that I felt like, um, you know, Gregory played with respect, let's say, to the connection with Erickson. Also for myself and I think for John and Robert, you know, Gregory Bateson's work in general, Steps to an Ecology of Mind, Mind and Nature, really, really opened up lots of possible spaces to put attention for future modeling. Um, things like It Takes Two to Know One, where he's talking about, you know, just the ner nervous system of the eyes. Hold this thought. I'm going to find out what this is and turn it off. <laughs> the gopher control guy. <laughs> That's the second, the second interview I've done this week where the telephone has rang halfway through. So that's fine. <laughs> so, so as I was saying, I think, you know, the whole idea of kind of opening up to physicalizing the idea of multiple perspectives. I mean, certainly multiple perspectives in terms of the meta model is there. You know, there's I, there's you, change referential index, you know. All that is all about sort of the surface structure of, perceptual positions but you know I think it it, it it brought it crystallized that idea of really physicalizing it and bring it in, in into the body I think Robert's neurological levels you know was definitely informed by you know levels of learning Bateson's levels of learning so I th certainly see strong connections there I still see strong connections of places to really put attention around you know, where do you put stability in the system? Where do you have entropy, feedback loops, all that jazz, I think is. I mean, there's so many, so many places to take this conversation. I want so to talk, I want mm -hmm. to talk about um, Ericsson in a moment. But before we leave Gregory Bateson, who seems like a fascinating figure, if there was, you know, if you were to uh, Bateson for dummies, if you were to, to try and give a couple of sentences, because many people have never not heard of him, you know, I mean, many people have as well but he's not a particularly well-known figure in popular culture so if you could have a couple of sentences to intrigue people as to what they might discover by looking at him or to summarize some of his ideas what, what would you say well there's a couple of things one I would say um, his focus on an integrated self um, his focus on going, you know, as long as we continue to talk about the world in a binary way, the conscious and the unconscious, we continue to proliferate the, uh, the, the, the myth that they're actually split. 
<laughs> and so, you know, he would talk more about, well, what could we call it? A unit of mind. You know, Robert calls it a haul-on now, you know, because hey, it's a haul-on. So it's the, 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 the split is a perceived thing. And that you can't do great art in the world unless you really have access to both. And that's our sort of human right around mm. the creating, you know, artistry, aesthetics, harmony. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Of course, the, you know, unconscious conscious is a construct anyway, isn't it? It's a exactly. nominalization. It's, it's, a, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a model, as they say. So then let's move on to Milton, who's a figure yeah. who fascin absolutely fascinates me. I've, I've studied his yeah. work a lot um, and yes. I use his, <laughs> use his language all the time as many of my students will know um, and you had the, the privilege I guess pleasure of hanging out with him for a bit so yeah, tell us yeah. a little bit about that and um, you know what what we should what's important about Milton Erickson from your perspective so I'm gonna have to pause it there but we'll be back in part two where you can hear all about Judy and Milton Erickson and a whole bunch of other stuff so join us there on Get the Life You Love Now and the NLP podcast.